0: That's good, right? I am who you say I am. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever let uh, something someone says or does or uh, their body language affect the way you feel about yourself? Uh, Maybe it's like a disapproving look, you know, or maybe uh, it's like subtle body language that they do and then suddenly you're questioning yourself, You're, you're questioning how you feel about yourself or what you said. Uh, this happened to me a couple of years ago. I was leading an online Bible study. Uh, there was about 20 people in it, and it was on Zoom. And, and when you're on Zoom, right, you, you're close enough in gallery view that you, you're right in everybody's faces, right? So there's 20 faces on my screen. And one of those faces is Carol Jenkins, Tim Jenkins' mom. And Shauna Jenkins, who's our uh, children's director, she's upstairs, it's her mother-in-law. And uh, if you know Carol, you would know that she's incredibly warm and generous and kind and a very discerning person. So I was leading this group online, and Carol's part of the group, and I'm talking, and every once in a while, Carol's making a face like I have said something really weird or dumb, right? You know the face, right? It's like, you know, like, she keeps making this face over and over again as I'm sharing, and, and as I'm going along, I'm just like, wow, like... What did I say? Like, if Carol thinks I'm an idiot, maybe I am an idiot. If Carol thinks I'm wrong, maybe I am wrong. And then suddenly, like this internal dialogue as I'm talking to the group is going and going, and and I you know start to question. Maybe I've maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe I've said something stupid. But the truth is, fast forward a little bit, Carol Jenkins has become a person that I hold very close to my heart. Uh, she prays for me more than. Anybody else. In fact, I know for a fact that she's not even here this morning, but before I got up on the stage, I know she prayed for me wherever she is that I would speak well and that, that God would use me to encourage you today. Even though that relationship started off with her making faces at me on Zoom. I think it's crazy how sometimes we can let these small interactions with people. Make us begin to question ourselves, how we feel about ourselves or what we think about ourselves. It's not a good feeling, right? And it can be dangerous to give other people that sort of power over how you feel. There is so much that happens to us in our life that causes us to question our identities, to doubt ourselves. Things that chip away at our core. It could be losing a job, it could be a betrayal, it could be a major failure in your life. Whatever way it is, this life has a way of, of breaking us down and making us question ourselves. And today, by the time I'm done talking this morning, it's my goal that you would be able to stop looking at yourself through the lens of this world and see yourself the way God sees you. For you to understand yourself, your core identity, your own person, in light of how God sees you. That who you are isn't dependent on what others think about you, or even what you think about yourself. Your identity is rooted in something much deeper than that. In his book, A Glimpse of Jesus, Brennan Manning writes this line, Genuine self-knowledge begins by looking at God and noticing how God is looking at us. I believe it. Oh, how our lives would change if we could truly understand the way God feels about us. And so in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to try to convince you that you are more loved than you ever thought you were, that you are more valuable than you ever thought you could be, that God made you on purpose for a purpose. I want to help us this morning to look towards God, to see his face and realize the way he's looking at us. Now, in the opening pages of the Bible, we read about the creation of the universe. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God separated the water from the sky, and then he separated the land from the water. He hung the stars in the cosmos, and he set the moon spinning around the earth. And he filled the seas with every kind of living creature and the skies, with every kind of flying creature. And then God made one of his most amazing creations ever, the humble cow, and invented AAA beef and New York cut steaks. Hallelujah. And then God needed somebody to eat those steaks. And so he created us. And when he was finished forming us from stardust... Like any good artist, God took a step back and surveyed the work of his hands, and he said, it is good. He was pleased. Moses wrote the book of Genesis. And as he reflected on God's creation of humanity, this is the reflections that he wrote down in Genesis 1.27. So, God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God He created them, male and female. He created them just like Tash prayed for us earlier. He made us to be image bearers. God chose to make humanity, you and I, in his own image. There is nothing else in all of creation quite like humanity. You and I were made in the image of God. He has chosen you and I to be the reflection of his will and his love and his presence in the world. Now, just because we're made in God's image doesn't mean we're exactly like God, right? We don't, we share, we're not exactly like God, but just like the moon reflects the radiance of the sun. So you and I are too a reflection of the glory of the one who made us. What's funny about this is when Moses wrote these words, they were not a universal truth in the world. They stood in stark contrast to the way the world worked. People did not treat other people as people, as if they were image bearers of God. Moses knew all about the way the world worked because Moses himself had been a cog in the system of oppression. 3,500 years ago, when Moses was born, the people of Israel found themselves as slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he was brutal to these people. Uh, It it was because he feared that they would grow to be stronger than the Egyptians, and so he controlled them with an iron fist. And he got so worried at one point that the Israelites were going to grow too powerful that he made a declaration all the newborn Israelite male babies were to be thrown into the Nile River. He didn't think they were made into the image of God, they were just people to be discarded. know, fearing for her son's life, Moses had just been born. Fearing for his life, his mother put him in a basket and floated him down the Nile River. And what should have been his end was a new beginning for him. Downriver, Pharaoh's daughter, a princess, saw Moses floating in a basket. And she had compassion on him. And she brought him into her household. And she chose to raise him as her own. Moses, the Israelite slave, was raised as Egyptian royalty. Now, if you want a recipe for identity confusion, there's one right there for you. Now, years later, when Moses was in his 20s, he encountered an Egyptian man while he was out walking through the city. And this Egyptian man was beating two Israelites, two Hebrews. And this man's cruelty and abuse Sent Moses into a rage and he killed that Egyptian man. Now, he thought those Israelites would be thankful, but they weren't. They they were not thankful for what Moses did for them. In fact, they resented him for it. And after he murdered this Egyptian, he became overwhelmed with fear and shame and anxiety. He had blood on his hands, literally and figuratively. And so he ran. He fled far away to a land called Midian. And there he built a new life and a new family. And he left all of that back in Egypt behind him. Years and years go by. And his people, the people of Israel, continued to suffer at the hand of Pharaoh while Moses hid in the wilderness. Now, eventually God saw the suffering or God knew the suffering of his people he saw their pain and in Exodus 2 25 it says he looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act God had a plan to rescue his people and God had a plan for Moses to do it and God set his plan into motion but Moses was content with his new life in the wilderness he was tending to his father-in-law's animals When off in the distance, he saw something he couldn't quite explain. You might know what it was. It was a burning bush. And he was confused because as the bush burned, it wasn't consumed. It just kept burning. And intrigued, Moses slowly began to make his way towards this burning bush. And as he got close, the voice of God called out, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father. God tells Moses in the next few verses that he is aware of the suffering of his people and that he is setting into plan a motion for them to be rescued. God tells this man, Moses, I have chosen you to be the one who leads my people out of bondage. Moses immediately protests God's request of him. Exodus 3.22, Moses says, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Moses doesn't see himself the way God sees him. Moses thinks God's got the wrong guy. But we all do this, right? We ask this question when challenged or when we have opportunities arise who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not. Talented enough. I'm not as smart as that person over there or as talented as that person over there. I'm just nobody. Who am I, God? Moses knows as an infant his family had to abandon him to save him. That sort of thing leaves a mark on a person. He knows that while his own people were suffering as slaves in Egypt, he was raised in the opulence and affluence of the, of the, of, of the kingdom, of the, of the palace. He knows that he's never really fit in with his Egyptian brothers. And that his own people, the Israelites, have never really accepted him either. Moses knows he's killed a man in anger. And he's been running from himself for years and years and years. Moses knows the question, the answer to the question, who am I? I am a killer, a fraud, a failure an outcast. I am alone and I am unloved. He's not a leader. He can't even rescue himself, let alone his own people. But Moses has failed to see himself the way God sees him. He's looking through the wrong lens. He's blind to the truth. So Moses asks God, who am I to do these things? And God replies in Exodus 3.13, I Will be with you. You see, Moses isn't the sum of his successes and failures. He isn't the total of all the good things he's done or the bad things he's done. He's not just his strengths and weaknesses. Moses is the one God chose, the one God promised to be with, the one he cares about, the one who he has planned great things for. The real answer to the question, who am I, isn't found in what we know about ourselves. The real answer to the question, who am I, lies in who God thinks we are. There's some good news here. God has not been shy about expressing how he feels about us. He's not like a, a parent or a mentor who struggles to tell you, be affectionate towards. He struggles to tell you he's proud of you or he loves you. Right? He's, he doesn't struggle. He's been clear. When you read your Bible, page after page after page expresses how God feels about His people. Over and over again, God reveals His truth to us. Let's go over some of these. In John, written by John one twelve, he said. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. You're not an orphan. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You are a child of God. Or Paul in Romans fifteen seven. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. You're accepted. You're not rejected. You're brought in. You're not pushed Or in Colossians 2, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also also are complete through your union with Christ. You know what that means? You're enough. Do you ever feel like you're not enough? It's a lie. You are enough. Or like we've already shared for Genesis 127, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. You bear the image of the one who created you. You are an image reflector. You have innate value. Or for 1 Corinthians 6, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people you are a royal priests a holy nation god's very own possession and as a result you could show others the goodness of god for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light you are chosen he picked you you're not an accident you're on purpose he chose you or again in second corinthians 9 And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You're blessed. You're blessed. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it feels like you don't have enough. The truth, your identity in Christ is you are blessed. 2 Corinthians 5, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You're made right. Sometimes you don't feel good about yourself. Sometimes you're racked with shame and guilt. Listen, if you are in Christ, you have been made right. It's time to leave all that in the past. 1 John 5, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what he asks for. I like this one. You are seen. You are heard. You are not invisible. God sees you like nobody else sees you. Ephesians 2, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he has planned for us a long time ago. You're, you're gifted. He has plans for you. He has made you the way that you are with the skills and the talents and, and the predispositions that you have on purpose to use you. You have been gifted. God's gifted you to, to serve in, in the where you live and work and play. 2 Corinthians, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You're made new. You're not your old self. That part of your life that you remember with shame and guilt in in your mind and your heart, no, that's not you. You've been made new in Christ. And this last one from Romans 8. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved in a way that you can't even begin to comprehend. He loves you so much. This is who you are. You guys, genuine self-knowledge begins by looking at God and noticing how he is looking back at us. In a moment, I'm going to lead us through an exercise in listening prayer, and so I'm going to invite Mark when he's ready to come up here and and give us some some music to, to pray to. Um, Let me tell you a story. Quite a few years back when I was still just a firefighter, uh, Doug helped me to become a licensed pastor. Uh, I had zero formal training uh, or or education at all, but Doug saw something in me that he wanted to grow and he wanted to empower. And our church is part of a large denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, uh, the Alliance Canada. And we have 400 churches in Canada and we have many, many more uh, globally. And in the Western Canadian District of the Alliance Canada, where we are, uh, once a year, all the new workers, the new pastors in our district, gather in Sylvan Lake for three days for like a new workers' retreat, an orientation. It's a get to meet the denomination and, and get to meet each other. That year when I went, many years ago, I was pretty uneasy about being there. On the very first night of this, New Workers Retreat. They had an icebreaker for everyone to get to know each other. And so when we got there, they gave you a name tag for your name. And then under your name was a book of the Bible. And then they gave us instructions. There's about 40 people in the room. And they said, okay, now organize yourselves. you are all got books of the Bible written on you. Organize yourself into the different delineations of Scripture. And so uh, organize yourself into the books that fall into the law books. Organize yourself into books that fall into the wisdom books. Organize yourself into books of minor prophets and major prophets. And I'm just like, what's a minor prophet? Like I was so, I was embarrassed. And the, the Bible The book that I have, my name tag, Obadiah. I didn't even know Obadiah was a book in the Bible. And here I'm trying to like organize myself. Guys, the shame, right, just washed over me. Instantly I felt like an imposter. Now all these people I'm standing with, they've all been to seminary. They've been to Bible college. And I'm just a dumb firefighter. You guys, you want to know, this is this is true, in the firefighter textbook, there's two chapters on carrying ladders, and it's all pictures. It's all pictures. And here I am in this room with these smart academic people, and I immediately begin to feel like an outsider, like I don't belong. And over the next few days of this New Workers Retreat, it got worse and worse and worse, and I started to really feel... Out of place and on the third day they organized us into groups of three and the goal was for us to pray for each other and to ask jesus to give us some encouragement for the other two people in our group give us a verse or a word of encouragement that we can share with them and so i i was in a group of three and in my group of three was the brand new executive pastor of the largest church in alberta and me and the other person was a college professor, an international worker, and leader of the second largest church in Alberta, and me. And we prayed for each other. God shared some stuff, and then one of the guys looked at me. Ben, ben Elliot was his name, and he looked at me. He's like, "Lucas, I got to tell you something. It's really simple and short, but I think it's really important. I think God wants me to share this with you." I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna be good." What is this? And he shared two words. He said, You belong. And just like that, the Holy Spirit planted that seed of belonging in my heart. And it's been growing ever since. I've found my footing in my tribe. Now I'll be honest, I still struggle sometimes with feeling like I don't belong with imposter syndrome, but I know the truth. I know who God has made me to be, and I know I belong. There is power when you learn God's truth about you. So in our story, God is in the process of giving Moses this new identity, right? Actually, he's not giving him a new identity. He's just revealing his already identity that he doesn't know about. Moses has had his doubts, and he struggles to to, to accept this role that God is trying to give him as a a leader, as a rescuer of his people. What if the people don't believe him? What if the elders don't believe that he's been sent by God? What if they remember all the things that he did in his past? What if they see right through me, God? And God interrupts Moses complaining. And the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? Moses was holding a shepherd's staff. It was this symbol of how he saw himself. He was just a shepherd in the wilderness, tending to his father-in-law's animals. It was this new identity, this, this 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 hiding in the wilderness from his past. And then God said to him, "Throw it down, on the ground." And so Moses threw his staff down, and when it hit the ground, it was just a stick. It was just a stick he used to guide his father-in-law's animals. But when he picked it up, it became the staff he used to lead his people out of exile. In his hands, that staff was a representative of his identity as a failure, as someone who was hiding. But at the feet of God, it became his true identity. From runner to rescuer. From lost to found. This day on holy ground... On Mount Sinai, God gave me and Moses his true identity. Earlier I told you I was going to do my best in 20 minutes to convince you about your identity. But the truth is I can't do that. I'm not a good enough preacher to convince you of the truth. I can't change the way you see yourself, no matter how much I want to. But I know someone who can. Jesus can. This morning, Jesus wants you to discover the way he sees you. He wants to discover who he has made you to be in a deeper, more intimate way. And so this morning, I'm going to guide us through a listening prayer moment. Now, that might sound intense to you, but at Fort City, we believe God still speaks, right? He, the words of scripture, the, the, the history, the stories of the old, God isn't done talking to his people. He isn't done leading us. We believe he speaks to us. We believe that God can minister directly to our bodies and our souls and our spirits. And so in a moment, I'm going to give you two questions I want you to ask Jesus. And we're going to spend a few minutes in silence listening for his answer. We're going to turn to our inner life and wait on the Holy Spirit to reveal God's truth to us. This morning, we want to receive something from Jesus, right? And so uh, when we do this, when we have our listening moment, I want to encourage you to, to hold your hands out like this. Now, it's not, it's not super spiritual or magical. There's nothing really great. We just think it's okay for our bodies to reflect the posture of our hearts, right? It's, it's okay for us to look like on the outside what we're feeling on the inside, and we want to receive from Jesus. So in a moment when we pray and when we ask Jesus, I encourage you to hold your hands out like this because just like moses stood on holy ground in the presence of god this morning we too stand on holy ground jesus is here he's always here and he is never consumed so i'm going to ask you a question why don't you go ahead and close your eyes and if you'd like you can hold your hands out we're going to ask jesus a question we're just going to silently sit a few uh, maybe a minute And listen for his answer. And so let's ask Jesus this question. Jesus, what false thing do I believe about myself that you want me to throw on the ground at your feet? This morning, Jesus doesn't want to leave you empty-handed, and so we're going to ask a second question. Jesus, what truth about myself do you want me to pick up? Jesus has for us is so much better than we could ever know his truth what he knows about us is so much better than we know about ourselves I encourage you today if Jesus is speaking to you about these things maybe write it down or if you go to lunch with someone after let them know, share what did did Jesus speak to you this morning what did he ask you to leave at his feet what did he give you to pick up and take with you you could open your eyes now. And as we close this service this morning, I'm going to put a prayer on the screen for us to pray together. It's an invitation for Jesus to continue the important work in our hearts even after we leave this place this morning. And you can see the words up here. We'll throw them up this prayer. And if you're brave, and if you'd like to pray this prayer with me out loud, I encourage you to do that now. Let's go to God in prayer. So, Jesus. Thank you for breathing life into my lungs. Thank you for making me an image-bearer. Thank you that you have made me on purpose for a purpose. Help my identity to be secured in your truth and protect me from falling from the lies of the evil one. Amen. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for each person here this morning, their life and their experiences and their relationships. I thank you that we've all somehow ended up at Fort City here this morning in a very different way. All of our stories are different. But there is something that we all have in common. We were made in the image of our creator. And there's so much in this world that wants to confuse us about our identity and, and rob from us what we should rightfully know, our inheritance in you. And so Jesus, I just pray by your spirit in this place now, do a move. Do a work. Secure our identities in you. Holy Spirit, convince our hearts and our minds and our spirits of this truth that remain in your image. And then you took a step back and you said, it is good. And that is still true. You love us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.